The Pittsburgh Pirates in the second base position, probably going to be the biggest positional battle of 2024 spring training. But let's talk about everything that happened at the position in 2023 on today's episode of Locked On Pirates, brought to you by FanDuel. You are Locked On Pirates, your daily Pittsburgh Pirates podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, everybody, to the Locked On Pirates podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team, your Pittsburgh Pirates every day. Thank you so much for tuning into the show, as you always do on all of your podcast platforms and YouTube. My name is Ethan Smith. You can follow me right there on Twitter at MVP underscore Ethan or at Locked On Pirates. For all of your news, analysis, opinions, and reactions to anything that happens in the world of the Pittsburgh Pirates and in the world, of the Pittsburgh Pirates. The second base position this season was a very fun position to take a look at for multiple reasons. And that's what we're going to be talking about on today's show, which is, of course, a continuation of the player review series. And second base quickly became a position for the Pirates that they knew was eventually going to be filled by their slew of middle infield prospects. Now, obviously, the way that a lot of things happened this year for the Pittsburgh Pirates and what they learned about these middle infielders changed drastically in the second week of the season with the injury to O'Neill Cruz, who we'll talk about at length tomorrow in the shortstop recap. But that also allowed the Pirates to try out a slew of these middle infielders throughout the season, and it was something that, was kind of a benefit, and realistically, we learned a lot more about these guys than I thought that we ever really would. Eight different players, by the way, were featured at second base this season, and fun fact, that was also my primary position in my playing days of travel ball and a little bit of high school baseball, and of those eight players, seven saw 13 or more games at the position, uh, while four saw 29 or more games at second base. And again, injuries obviously were a big part of this. Of course, O'Neill Cruz was arguably the biggest because they allowed some of these second basemen to also shift to shortstop to play. So you might hear me talk about some of these guys again tomorrow, but not in the same vein because I do value everybody that I'm talking about in this show player-wise as a second baseman. They just had to play shortstop this year due to the fact that O'Neill Cruz, your potential superstar shortstop, was out for the entire year. And a willingness, by the way, to get eyes on young talent really was the biggest thing for me with this position this year. And that's what this season was all about. You wanted to find out things about the young talent that is on this team. You wanted to see going into 2024 who would eventually win this positional battle or who would really show up and surprise people with things that we didn't exactly expect. And that's what you're going to hear throughout this entire show. And who really stood out at second base? I think that's really the big part of all this, because going into 2024 spring training, 
some of what happened this year is going to probably play a factor into what the Pirates decide to do at the position next season. Now, obviously, performances in spring training are going to mean a little bit more than what happened in a previous season, but there's no doubt that you can go back and look on this 2023 campaign and find things that are going to give guys an edge on the other guys that are fighting for this position. And we start with the top rep getter, the guy who played the most games at second base this season, G1 Bay, who saw 64 games at second base, which led the Pirates at the position. And Bay quickly, especially in the month of April, became a player the Pirates valued early on. He, Obviously, he showcased his slap hitting uh, tool. He was a very good bunter, which is something the Pirates like to do. They love to play small ball. And he was a speedy guy that as soon as he got on the bases, you knew he was in a pitcher's head because he could steal second anytime he really wanted to. Bay also had 11 of his 24 stolen bases in March and April. Of course, only the one game in March where he had two against the Cincinnati Reds on opening day and then nine in the month of April. And he hit around his final average of 231 because he hit 234 in the opening month. And speaking of those stolen bases, Bay was successful in stealing 73% of the time on 33 attempts only caught stealing nine times. That was something with me watching G1 Bay this year, and obviously it was more of a coaching decision, but you looked at what G1 Bay was doing and when he was picking his spots to eventually steal a base, and obviously that a lot of that is a coaching decision, but at some points it felt like he was really just stealing bases pretty much on the same pitch or on the first pitch of an at-bat, which I think teams were finally picking up on, which is why I also think the stolen base numbers kind of toned down a little bit as the season progressed. But Bay's second base ability defensively, I think, is where a lot of his issues really came because he was shaky at times over there. He had a 964 fielding percentage with seven errors. That's something that you don't really want to see from a guy over at second base, especially when you were hoping to get answers about O'Neill Cruz's defense at shortstop. So you don't really want your middle infield to be a defensive liability, especially considering that you have one of the best third basemen in all of baseball defensively in key Brian Hayes. Now, G1 Bay, no doubt, has a case in the fight next season for this position, but there are other guys that are primarily going to stick at this position and I think that's another thing that Bay kind of has a one-up on on some of these guys is that he does have that defensive versatility to also play in center field, a position that he played 62 games in. So he pretty much split time between second base and center field. He also got like a couple games at shortstop, but it was pretty evidently clear that Jiwon Bay was not a shortstop. But there were some others that played there this season as well. And coming in with the second most appearances was Rodolfo Castro, who, of course, is not going to get into that much uh, because he is no longer on the roster since being traded to Philadelphia at the deadline. And before we get into the other two main guys that we'll get into the uh, second segment, who had the now second and third most reps at the second base position of guys that are still on the roster, the position overall statistically was not that great. Uh, the combined players had a negative 2.1 war, a 6.43 on base percent or OPS, a 2.26 average, and a 3.39 slugging. 
not exactly the greatest numbers whatsoever, but when you also look at the players that were playing this position all season, you had G1 Bay, you had Nick Gonzalez, you had Leo Piguero, you had Tuca Peter Marcano, you had Mark Matias, you had Vinny Capra. A lot of those guys are really young. They're inexperienced. So that's kind of what you expected from the position is for guys to show flashes that would eventually end up being strengths for them moving forward. Jiwon Bay has shown his strengths. He's a slap hitter who has a very good bunt tool who can also beat wreck havoc on the base pass. And then we'll talk about the strengths of Leo Piguero and Nick Gonzalez here in the second segment. And I mentioned Bay first mainly because his averages are about what those combined averages were that I just mentioned Obviously, while getting the most reps, that's going to happen. And Bay did debut in 2022 for about 10 games, but there were other players we knew, specifically two of them that I've already mentioned in Leover Piguero and Nick Gonzalez, that eventually made headway to Pittsburgh and staked their claims to be the second baseman of the future for now. And did they? Well, we'll talk about that in the second segment of today's episode of Locked On Pirates. And as you mentioned, or as I mentioned earlier in the first part of this show, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel.com slash locked on is where you need to head because guess what, folks? There's so much stuff going on. You have October baseball. The NHL just started last night. The NBA preseason is going on right now and starts in a couple of weeks, and the NFL is in full swing. And with October baseball, you can make your postseason debut with FanDuel America's number one sportsbook. Join FanDuel today and you'll get started with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to create your new account. Then you can get in on the action from the first pitch until the final out. And you can bet on everything from strikeouts to home runs to who will win the game. And if you don't want to wait the whole game to get a W, predict what will happen in the next at bat with quick bets. So head on over to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn right now and step up to the plate this postseason with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed and make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball and an official sports betting partner of the Locked On Podcast Network. So Leover Piguero and Nick Gonzalez were two guys that for a while now we've looked at in the minor league system. They've been best friends. They've been that shortstop second base tandem for quite a while. They've kind of risen through the minor league system together. And you looked at these two guys when they made headway this season, eventually getting to Pittsburgh. They ended up being the second and third highest rated rep getters at second base this year, obviously excluding Rodolfo Castro, who was second but is no longer with the team. And Peguero and Gonzalez both saw 29-plus games at the position. And again, I noted Castro in the first segment, so that means Peguero and Gonzo were second and third in reps at second base that are still on the active roster. And as many of you know, and this is something that you might end up seeing on the show next season, is that Leover Piguero is one of my favorite players on the roster and was one of my favorite players in the minors for quite some time. He's a guy that I really hope that I'd be able to interview it someday. I was able to interview his friend Nick Gonzalez relatively early when I started this uh, podcast. 
But Leander Piguero is definitely one of those guys that I would love to interview someday. I mean, I love the kid. I think he's phenomenal. And I think he has a bright future ahead of him. And speaking of that bright future, we remember in 2022, he had that little cameo where he got his first major league hit for a couple of games because they needed somebody to come up to fulfill a roster spot. And he was the closest guy there, seeing as he was in Altoona. Then he stayed in the minors for the rest of the year. And last year was really the year in 2022 that you wanted Leo Piguero to take that next step. You wanted him to fulfill a lot of the things that we've liked about Leo Piguero since he came onto the scene in the minor league system, but he kind of slowed down a little bit in 2022. 2023 comes along. He eventually debuts in July, July 17th versus Cleveland, where he didn't get his first hit, though, until uh, July 23rd against the Angels. That Angels series, we all remember, was an absolutely phenomenally fun series. But for Peguero, a lot of it really was the surprise element for him this year. In 198 at-bats, he finished the season with a 237 average, a 280 on-base percentage, a 374 slugging, a 654 OPS, seven home runs, 26 RBIs, and six stolen bases. Now, none of that stuff is really flashy stuff. It's nothing that's like, okay, he wins the second base job immediately. You know, like a 237 average is something you obviously want to improve on. The OPS being in the 600s is obviously something you want to improve on. And I think where you want to see Pagaro's play eventually get him to be would be the month of August that he had. And he didn't really have the greatest July. Obviously, he only played the second half of July, so he didn't have a lot of time to really acclimate himself to the MLB game in the month of July. But then the calendar turned, and it turned to the month of August. And this is, again, Pagaro is one of my favorite players on the roster, so I might be a little biased about Lever Pagaro, but you look at his August, and I think that is going to be what you are going to expect more of him in the near future. In a month where he hit 250, again, not the greatest number in the world, but then you look at the LP, uh, the on-base percentage of 299. Not a great number either, but better than that 280, obviously. 425 slugging and a 724 OPS. If he can be a career 724 to 750 OPS guy, Leover Piguero is going to be a very valuable piece to this team moving forward. And he also had four home runs and 14 RBIs. Four of his seven home runs came in the month of August. And not only myself, but for many of you, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about this in the comments, I think the biggest surprise from Pagaro's 2023 campaign was the power element to his game that we saw. Something, again, that I didn't really expect him to bring to the MLB level and something that I don't even really know if the Pirates expected him to bring upon his full-time arrival. And you look at Baseball Savant, which, of course, is StatCast. You guys know I also love StatCast. I think it speaks away from some of those stats that I mentioned about OPS and I love statistics when it comes to baseball. I always have. I've always been a statistical merchant when it comes to baseball. And if I see a player that has very good stats, especially advanced metrics that may help him in the future, I'm going to mention them on the show. And per Baseball Savant, 
He averaged an he had an average exit velocity of 89.4 miles per hour and a hard hit percentage of 39.6. Although they didn't have uh, he did not have enough ABs to qualify for percentiles. And this is where this gets interesting when you're speaking about Figueroa, because with players on the Pirates with a minimum of 100 batted ball events, so that means 100 times that they hit the baseball, not meaning that they got a hit, not meaning anything else, just 100 times at minimum that there was a batted ball event in a plate appearance for them. Figueroa ranked 10th on the team and first among second basemen on the team in those statistics. He is also first among all second basemen on the team in hard hit percentage, both indications that his power, something again that not a lot of us expected from Leover Piguero, could be a part of his game moving forward. Now, if that continues to get better and he continues to play at least average defense at the second base position, it's going to be very hard to tell Leo Piguero that he's not going to get a lot of reps at second base, especially when you look at a guy like G. Juan Bay who can move around the uh, move around to the outfield, and then when you look at guys like Jared Triolo who can move everywhere. But G- Leo Piguero, who ha- he has shortstop experience, but I think he profiles more as a second baseman, and he wasn't the only t- highly touted second baseman to join the party. In 2023, with his running mate, of course, Nick Gonzalez, staking a claim as well. Now, Nick Gonzalez, unlike Piguero, Piguero was more of a surprise element than he was a letdown element. Gonzo was more of a letdown element than a surprise element. He posted 29 appearances at second base upon his arrival. He also saw some time at shortstop as well. But in his debut season, his struggles were very apparent and very out there. At 115 at-bats, he had a 209 average, a 268 on base percentage, a 348 slugging, and a 616 OPS with only two home runs and 13 RBIs. But I think the most glaring issue that we've seen from Nick Gonzalez, and this even goes back to the minor leagues, but especially with him making his debut this year, I think one of his biggest issues was the strikeout number. He had 36 strikeouts on the year while only walking six times. Obviously, that's a one-to-six ratio on walks to strikeouts. Not something you really want from a guy that one with one of his biggest strengths, of course, being the fact that Nick Gonzalez was a base-on-balls machine at New Mexico State. He was a base-on-balls machine when he first got into the minor league system. He was definitely not a 209 average hitter. I'll tell you that. So pretty much anything that he was doing good in the minor leagues just did not translate to the major league level, which does happen sometimes. It will happen. It is just something that it's going to take time for some players to eventually figure out. Now, obviously, those statistics eventually led Nick Gonzalez to be sent down to AAA on August 3rd. But August was a month for him, much like Leo Piguero, that was very friendly although he was doing it in Indianapolis because he finished the month of August in Indianapolis with a 291 average, a 398 on base percentage, a 456 slugging, an 854 OPS, and fixed the strikeout issue at least a little bit. He had 20 strikeouts to 11 base on balls, a much better ratio, about a 1-2 to two ratio rather than a 1-6 to six ratio. 
And again, I think the biggest positive from that month for him was the strikeout to walk ratio and bringing back that impressive on base percentage. He has always been a guy at second base that wants to get on base by any means possible. And he's always had very good on base percentage numbers throughout his entire baseball career. Now, Gonzo eventually returned in late September. Wasn't really enough time for him to salvage his up and down campaign. Just didn't really have enough time to really do much of anything. And there's no doubt with Gonzo being a former first round pick in 2020, of course, the first first round pick made by Ben Charrington, that he'll get every opportunity to prove himself. But if he wants a steady dose of time at second base, that strikeout number, that strikeout total is going to have to come down. And ultimately, he's just going to have to hit more. That is the two biggest things that you could say about Nick Gonzalez moving forward. And that was two major reasons why he was made a seventh overall pick in the 2020 draft. So we've talked about G1 Bay. We've talked about Leo Verpiguero. We've talked about Nick Gonzalez. But what about the rest that could be available for this big spring training positional battle in 2024? And the Pirates also have, you know, a top 30 prospect that also plays the position who had a minor league all-star campaign. We'll get into that here in the final segment of today's episode of Locked on Pirates. But before we do that, let's talk about Jace Medical, folks, because, you know, starting to get cold outside, which means people are getting sick and you never know what you might need in an emergency. And that's why Jace Medical is here. Frank said, you know, Easy as one, two, three, and just in time. I received our package the same day, and I got a sinus infection, and my doctor was out of town. No appointments for days. Thank goodness it arrived. With storms, shortages, pandemics, reliance, and supply chain issues, we need to be prepared now more than ever. Chase Medical is simple. You go online, fill out a form, and then you get a prescription, life-saving medication right to your door. The Jace case gives you peace of mind that you uh, so that you are not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency because Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication on hand. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you a peace of mind so that you are not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication on hand. It's simple, and they handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care because you don't want to get caught unprepared. Get $20 off these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using my code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-C-Medical.com to empower yourself with life-saving medication today. And welcome back to the final segment of today's episode of Locked on Pirates, everybody. Brought to you by FanDuel and, of course, Jace Medical. And we're talking about second base today. And we know that that position, as I've mentioned already, was loaded with young players all season. But amidst this big potential spring training battle that we're going to have at second base. There may be some guys that get lost in the shuffle for arguably, again, the biggest positional battle of 2024 spring training. One of those guys will not be in the battle at all in Chukapito Marcano. 
because he saw his uh, season end, of course, due to an ACL injury, meaning he will not return, as the team stated, for about 9 to 12 months. And that's just returning to baseball activity. So Marcano likely out for the entire 2024 campaign, and that will also take him out of this positional battle altogether. And it's really foreseen to know what's going to happen with Marcano because you also have guys like Mark Matias, who played 15 games at second base this year, who was no longer on the roster. You have guys like Jared Triolo who can also play the position. And we spoke about him in the first baseman recap about his defensive versatility. So he'll definitely stake a claim as a possible second base option. You look at Vinny Capra, who only saw three appearances at second base, and you look at Alika Williams, another guy who could potentially be in that mold as well. So Marcano really could get lost in the fold here with all these names. But that was everybody that got action at second base. You had Leo Piguero, you had G1 Bay, you had Rodolfo Castro, Mark Matias, Vinny Capra, Nick Gonzalez, Jared Triolo. But there's one guy that we know is eventually going to come into this fold at some point, probably not in 2024, but 2025, I think it's realistic to say that Termar Johnson, their top position prospect is definitely going to warrant conversation as the future second baseman when he eventually gets here. Now, Johnson, of course, completed his first full professional season in 2023 after being the Pirates' top selection in the 2022 MLB draft, of course, getting drafted number four overall in that draft. And Johnson was touted as the top prep hitter in the class last year, something, of course, that was out of the ordinary from Charrington's draft selections that we've seen in his tenure as Pirates' general manager, as all of his first-rounders outside of Termar Johnson were collegiate players. He had Nick Gonzalez out of New Mexico State, Henry Davis out of Louisville, and Paul Skeens, of course, out of LSU. Now, Johnson's hype was obviously warranted, and to me, I'm still going to tell you right now, it still is, because he came out of high school with a ridiculous hitting and power tool despite his five foot eight frame. I mean, you would look at him and say, oh, yeah, there's no way this guy's hitting double-digit home runs in a season. Well, he did that this year. In 349 ABs in 2023 across his time at Bradenton and Greensboro, he had a 244 average and 860 OPS, 18 home runs, 59 RBIs, and 10 stolen bases. Folks, Termar Johnson, if he continues and stays healthy in the minor league system, I'm telling you right now, he is going to be a problem. He is going to be a major problem when he gets to the major league level. And MLB prospects think so as well, because as of right now, he ranks 22nd in MLB prospect rankings, and he ranks number one as a second baseman among all prospects. Now, obviously, you have like Noel V. Marte and Jackson Holiday who could be listed as second baseman, but Johnson's the only guy that has second base as his only listed position, and he's number one in that category across all of baseball. Now, folks, I turned 25 this month. These kids are starting to make me feel old because Turnbar Johnson is only 19, so he has a ways to go obviously, but I would I could see him debuting in his age 21 season, which would be 2025. 
But he showed flashes of why he'll eventually make the second base position an even tougher battle at some point. You saw that he homered four times in five games this year at one point in the season. He had nearly 20 homers already in his minor league career. And his impressive 860 OPS earned him a minor league all-star nod. So Johnson, no doubt, will make an impact at some point. But I think what you can gather from today's player review about this position is that the second base position will continue to be a dogfight for playing time, making these young players better along the way. Guys, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Locked On Pirates here on the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Ethan Smith. You can follow me on Twitter right there at MVP underscore Ethan or at Locked On Pirates. You can also like, subscribe, and comment on this video and on this channel at Locked On Pirates on YouTube. And you can listen to it on all of your favorite podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, Google Play, and more. Guys, have a wonderful rest of your Wednesday. I will see you tomorrow as we talk about O'Neill Cruz and the future of the shortstop position here for the Pittsburgh Pirates. But until then, I'll see you on the flip side.